Galatians 6, 6, it says that, uh, that, that how, do, how you honor a teacher is by sowing into his life. Now, I'm not, you know, uh, but how that's important to you and I, I mean, we tithe and give offerings at our local church, but I have found that, that if I'm listening to somebody, uh, you know, a preacher on, you know, on TV or somewhere regularly, that I can get information just by listening. But if I want the revelation, I have to sow into their lives. You know, no, the Bible says you, you can respect people with words, but, but Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 8 says you honor them with your substance. And so when you sow the honor, you, I'm telling you, I, I know that it works because I've been doing it for a long time. And uh, I'm not saying, you know, we listen to the people casually all the time. I'm saying if somebody's really feeding you, Galatians 6, 6 says that, matter of fact, if they're, matter of fact, it even says that if they labor in the word, they're worthy of a double honor. So whatever you're thinking, you just need to double it up. <laughs> no, but, but again, I, you know, God's not trying to get anything from us. He's trying to get it to us. So I'm sitting down again today, but I'm standing up on the inside. Hallelujah. <laughs> God is working. No, sometimes overcoming means coming over and overcoming and keeping moving and, and uh Taking the criticism, well, if you're a faith guy, why? Yeah, 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 you're a faith girl too, right? <laughs> it's a walk of faith, people, and um, sometimes you can't figure it out, but all we know is that God is good all the time, and this is the victory that overcomes yes, the world, yes. our faith. So don't come up to me afterwards and say, oh, Pastor, you better be careful. I hit somebody two weeks ago. Oh, you should. No, no, but we can you know, we can sit in church and hear the word, but you really have to start believing it. <laughs> you know, you need, and when you believe on, believe it, you act on it. You do whatever that you can do, and so, so. Um, but with that in mind, I want to start today by saying God loves you, and so do we. And um, we're, we're going to talk about uh, talk about the love of God. But I want to start in Philippians four eleven. We started the year with that, and Paul the Apostle said, I have learned to be content. And I realized that he wrote the book of Philippians, I think, 30 years after he got knocked off his donkey on the way to Damascus. And some of the things that he said are so powerful in chapter 3, he said, that I might know him. This is, this is how we are, that we might know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, that I might know him. This, this one thing I'm doing, forgetting what, forgetting the good, the bad, forgetting. I have a good, I'm not forgetting, I'm, I'm forgetting successes. I'm forgetting failures. I'm not camping out by either one of them, but I'm pressing on toward the next marker point to the high call of God in Christ. It's my goal to know him better all the time, know him better. And the passion never stops. And uh, so in Philippians 4.11, he said, I've learned how to be content. I'm not restless anymore. And so if, if you're not restless anymore, then you're in a very good place. If you're still restless, then you're living like an orphan. In John 14, 18, Jesus said, I would not leave you orphans or comfortless or destitute. I'm sending you another one just like me. 
so that you'll never be alone, that you'll always be, you're not alone. And so in Genesis chapter 1, maybe that's where we should start at the beginning, and then we'll just go until we, we can't go any further. So, so you know, be prepared. <laughs> no, Genesis chapter 1 is interesting because God made man in his image and in his likeness, right? So, so you can't improve on that. If you're made in the image and the likeness of God, how are you going to, what are you going to add to that? Nothing to that. And, and then, and then he, well, let's read, uh, read those couple of verses. He said, God created the man, verse 27, in his own image, in the image of God who created him, male and female, he created them. And then he blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful. So uh, a number of years ago, we had a couple in our church from the, the Gaspero Valley in the valley up near Wolfville. And so we would go up there every spring and do the tubing festival, to have a party at the church and tube down the river and things. And one day after, after the tubing festival, I walked up on the hill above the, above the river and walked through an apple orchard. And it was apple blossoms were out everywhere. It was beautiful. And uh, I heard the Lord say to me, uh, what, are, what are these trees doing to produce apples? And so, you know, no, first of all, he said, do you see the apple trees? <laughs> I'm in a, an orchard of hundreds of hundreds of trees. And like, it's kind of like a rhetorical. I, and you don't want to be saucy uh, with God. But you say, well, yeah, I, I see the apple trees. He said, do you see any of them struggling trying to be, produce fruit? And I heard that that day, but I've been hearing it ever since because I never, ever got the lesson complete. You don't have to struggle to be a Christian. You just, you're, you're not a human doing, you're a human being. And so he starts out with be fruitful and multiply. So you start out with, you don't start out doing, you start out being. That's that's how we that's how we start this walk with God. We're being, and then of course they were made perfectly, and they were made. I heard Bill Winston talking about this one day. They were made on the sixth day, and on the sixth day when he made the man and the woman, he said it was everything else was good. He said it was keto, very good, or and you can't get any better than very good. Keto is is the highest that you can say in the Hebrew language. And then when he created them at the end of the day, they moved into the very next day was the, the day of rest, chapter 2 and verse 3. So you start, your starting point is a, a point of rest. And it's like the, like the guy said in 680 AD, the guy that wrote in one of the universities in England, he said, if you haven't learned to be content, you haven't learned what it is to be a Christian yet. It, it, because you're because you're living like an orphan and not like a father. See, when I grew up, I grew up an orphan. I had lost my parents when I was young, and so it affected everything that I did. It affected my sense of community. It affected my you know keep everybody at bay because you don't want to be hurt anymore. And here is God saying, "He that doesn't gather with me scatters." And yet, most of the church world is living in isolation because we've been hurt and we don't want to get hurt anymore. And yet our job, according to Matthew 6, 9, is to bring heaven to earth, not, not, not to bring earth to heaven. He said, pray this, thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth. So, so, so if I'm going to live in love and live in faith, I'm not concerned about what the world is doing out there right now. I'm not concerned about all the pandemic. And, and I, you know, trust me, I get every day, every day I get bombarded. You got to see this before they take it down. You got to see this before you take it. No, I don't. I see my father, God, who loves me. And I see, I see Habakkuk 2.14. He said, as surely as I live, my glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. And, and if I'm not living in that, I'm not living by faith. I'm living in fear. If, everything, if all those reports are coming and I'm getting scared, I'm not living right. I'm not living, I'm not living like somebody that has a loving father. See, you got, you, you got to realize that he loves you. And again, Hebrews uh, 13, 5 and 6, a favorite verses of mine. He said, he's, he said he would never leave you, never fail you, never forsake you so that you can be what? Boldly say, oh, I'm so scared of so that I could boldly say, God is on my side. God is my father. And I'm not afraid of anything that the world can do for me, do against me. Matter of fact, all things are working together for my good because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. So don't give me any more. Oh, I, I would love to say don't give me any more, but every day they come rolling in, rolling in, rolling in. Well, this is what the COVID did. And this is how many people died from the vaccination and all that kind of stuff. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. It won't come near me, period. So, so, so then we know, we know Romans uh, 3.23, that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. But, but again, Hebrews 2.10 says what? The captain of our salvation came to restore many sons back to what? Back to glory. Back to the garden intention. You know, the world tried to have a garden of Eden back in the 60s, when, and they called it Woodstock, and they called it a crappy mess. You know, as a matter of fact, there was even a song that we got to get ourselves back to the garden. Let me tell you something. God is the only one that can do that. But, his, but when you got born again, when you got refathered, his intention was to take you back. Hebrews 2.10, the captain of our salvation, he came to restore you back to his original intention for mankind. And if you want to know his original intention, it's all good. But see, when you get over into Genesis chapter 3, we have an orphan that came to the earth. Well, maybe we just ought to go to Isaiah chapter 14 and read about, about Satan and his deal, his short little deal. I beheld his lightning, Satan fall from heaven. But see, but see, when, when, when Adam and Eve walked away from the nature of God, they took on the nature of Satan. They went from faith to fear. Fear is just perverted faith. That's all that it is. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong instead of unbelieving God. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. Hallelujah. But in Isaiah 14, Isaiah is a good book. There's some good stuff in the book of Isaiah. There's some good stuff in the book you got in front of you. Amen. I don't care what form you got done. You got done on an iPad or an iPhone or whatever. It's rich. But in chapter 14, you, you see, because if you don't know, if, if, if you don't know the love of God, you know, you, you, you experience pain and pain goes looking for pleasure. The, the cure for pain is pleasure. And so somebody's messed up with pornography and, they, and it, dr it drives them crazy. 
and then but and then they run away and and feel guilty but then they go back to it again because there's it's soothing whatever the sin might be it could be alcoholism drugs whatever it just it's a merry-go-round that keeps repeating itself because of an orphan spirit because somebody doesn't know their heavenly father if you knew your father in the love of god i mean i'm not talking about intellectual knowledge it's got to be revealed to you that's why he prayed in ephesians chapter 3 he said he said i i'm praying that that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith and that you'd be rooted and grounded in knowing that you're loved. Rooted and rooted, rooted is where you start from. Grounded is the foundation. You've got to be rooted and grounded in love. It can't be a question for you. And it's not based on your performance. It's based on, it's based on what he did at Calvary. He did it all. He finished it. He completed it. Read Hebrews chapter 8. We were just reading it today. Hebrews 8 and verse 6. It was a new covenant established on better promises. Promises. See, when you, when, when you know him, you don't have problems. You have promises. When you're walking in the love of God, you don't have fear. You, you've got exceeding great and precious promises. And you're walking them out because you're not questioning who you are. Satan came to steal the identity from Adam and Eve. That was his purpose. They, he, he tried to tell them that if they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they'd be like God. They already were. You couldn't be any more like God, and neither can you. You can't be any more like God than you are right now. You, I'm telling you, you've got to know that. You've got to know, I'm just like him. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And it wasn't based on anything other than 2 Corinthians 5.21. He took my sin, and I took his righteousness. He didn't deserve my sin. I didn't deserve his righteousness, but I got it, baby. And don't you try to take it away from me. Hallelujah. I know that I'm loved. I'm rooted and grounded in love. And when you're rooted and grounded in love, there's no fear in love. Hallelujah. Anyway, where were you? Isaiah 14. Yeah. So, uh, so my Bible says that in Luke chapter uh, 10, that I beheld as lightning Satan fall from heaven. So when Satan rebelled against God, it didn't take all day to get rid of him. If you ever saw the Wiley Coyote, they'd probably be in now, probably violent, but if... <laughs> If if you saw, if you saw, that's probably hate literature now. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, um, the devil, who was Lucifer, who was the praise and worship leader, who was loved by God, and created for a specific purpose, loved by God, he didn't receive the love of a God. And then the Bible says, because of that, iniquity was found in him. And so now, because he didn't receive the love of God in the awesome position that he had, now he's going to have to prove himself, and, and he wants something different, different. And here in chapter 14, it says in verse uh, uh, 13, For you have said in your heart, well, let me read verse 9 first, Hell from beneath is moved for you to greet you at your coming. So he's not doing all that well right now. But anyway, verse, verse uh, 13. For you said in your heart, I will see this is a distorted identity. 
He had, he had something, but he wanted something else. He was restless. And when you're feeling restless, it's dangerous. That's why Hebrews 4.11 says, labor to enter into my rest. The goal for the Christian is to start from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3, that place of rest. They rested on the seventh day. The, the, and so just, just keep that in mind. When you're feeling restless, when you're feeling discontented, there's a spirit agitating you, trying to take you away from your identity. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Can we throw that in here right now too? Colossians 2, 9 says, In him, in, in, in Jesus, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But the next verse ought to cook your fuses. But you are complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. You're already complete, so what are you trying to be? Why are you struggling trying to be somebody when you're already... See, see that's, mis, that's, that's, that, that's, that's a, a, a distorted identity when you're trying to be good. I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm struggling to be. No, it starts from I am. I am. I do belong. I'm not trying to belong. I'm not trying to please God at all either. I'm, I'm living out of, my, out of my love for him. Received the love from him, and it changes everything that I do. So now I'm not trying to be loved. You, if you're still trying to be loved and trying to get it right, you're missing the whole point. If you're struggling to be loved and, and trying to be a better person and a better Christian, you're missing it. You're already complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. It's like Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, those chapters. If you don't know those chapters, you can't do chapter 4, 5, and 6. Chapters 1 and verse 3 says, He's already blessed you with all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ, letting you know that the spirit realm is more real than the one you're in. And then in verse 4, it says that he chose you in him from before the foundation of the world. So what do, you, what, what, what do you need? He really does supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. How do I ap apprehend those things? By recognize that he loves me. And, and when I know faith works by love, if you don't know love, then your faith won't work. I mean, David said in Psalm 66, verse 18, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, you won't hear me. He didn't say if you, he didn't say if you regard iniquity in my heart. He said, if I do. Why? Because I can't use my faith because I don't see myself complete in him. I have to see myself. I, I mean, I heard Ashton say it this morning. Romans 8, 14. Many are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. What, how, do I, how am I led by the spirit of God? John six sixty three. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So when you're led by the word of God, there's only two ways you can change yourself. Only two ways that change comes without you struggling trying to do it. Second Corinthians 3.18 says that you will be changed from where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the Holy Ghost is moving in your life, there's liberty. And you're changed from glory. Come on, from one level of glory to another level of glory to another level of glory to another level of glory for the rest of eternity to another level of glory. Of glory. Uh, into his image and in his likeness. It's forever. But then Romans 12, too, don't be conformed or informed by this world or, or led by the news or, or the fear that's out there, 
but be transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God that you can prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God for your life. The perfect will of God for your life is for you to recognize your true identity, that you would know who you are, that you would know who you are. Because when you know who you are, watch out world, watch out devil. Amen. So he said, I will, uh, I will ascend to the heavens. I'll exalt my throne above the throne of God. I will also, upon the mount of the congregation on the sides of the north, I will, what does that say? Uh, I need my, am I going to need my glasses today? Excuse me a minute. <laughs> I will sit upon the mount of the congregation on the sides of the north, and I will ascend to the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High, right? So that's that's who he that's who he intended to be because he was not content with who he was, because he was not secure. He had that distorted identity, and so back in Genesis chapter three, that's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve. Are you sure that God said He'll make you doubt your identity in God? He made them doubt their identity in God, and then they went ahead, of course, and covered their pain and covered their guilt and shame with fig leaves. It's man trying to, instead of just opening up and saying, God, here I am. It's, you know, I, I, messed, I messed up. I, I'm, I apologize. And if, if he had done that in Genesis chapter 3, we wouldn't have any Bible. It wouldn't have been necessary. We could have went all the way to Revelation 21 and 22, just walked into the, walked into the millennium. But because, he, because they were broken, then he had to get the identity back, and it took him a long time. But first of all, he, you know, the, the law had to come. The law was a schoolmaster to bring him to Christ. But, but then he had, to, he had to get them to receive. His, he, said, he said, I haven't given you that spirit of adoption. It's like in Romans 8, 15, 16, 17. He said, you haven't received the spirit of bondage again. You listen. You haven't received the spirit of bondage again to live in fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, where you cry, "Abba, Father." You have a father that loves you. You call him Father, and then he says, "He says I got some good news for you too. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus, and He's the heir of all things." No, so what are you going to pray for? If you receive this message today, what are you going to pray for? Oh, God, give me a hand. You got me, will you loan me? No, you can't pray that anymore. You, you, you can receive everything that he gave to you by faith, but now your prayer is more effective because now you're praying for other people. You know, you, you switch things around. It's not about I and me. You know, chair number two is all about I, you know. I exalt me. I exalt me. It's all about me. No, no, no. I remember one time we had a guy come to our church here, and he said, he said, I didn't like the praise and worship. It was too long. I said, it wasn't for you. Yeah. He said, well, I didn't get what I need. I said, it's not about you getting what you need. It's about us glorifying God. And if you didn't get what you need, I have a suggestion for you. If you come and give away something, you might get something. Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I don't, don't, don't come to church to get. No, no, because you'd be just like Satan. See, when we got his, Adam got his personality when he fell away from God. 
He became like him. I, me, my, when am I going to get my? When when is somebody going to do something for me? No, I tell you, if you just learned how to do something for other people, you'd just be so blessed, so blessed, so blessed. But our our thinking got misshaped. Let's go to, um, are we going everywhere preaching the gospel anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 is a good place to start. See, God is so for you. He said, he said I'm going to write my laws on your heart. Didn't he say that? Your sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. So why are you remembering them? Why are you remembering them from somebody else, for somebody else too? See, here's the deal. When he said in Colossians chapter 3, he said, forbearing and forgiving one another. What a deal. Even as Christ has forgiven you, Pastor Paul and I have talked this about this a number of times because we were forgiven much. And so how can I, how can, how can I hold you in bondage with unforgiveness or hold myself in bondage with unforgiveness when God has so forgiven me? Not only that unforgiveness, it does lock you up. I found that if you, if you try to keep somebody down, the problem is you got to stay down with them. Right? But if you just let everybody go, you know, you can be happy if you have a mind to. All you got to do is put your mind to it, knuckle down, buckle down, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. No, but, I, but again, what I behold is what I become. I understand that. What I'm looking at, if I'm looking at bitter things and complain about all the negativity that's out there, I, I become just that. I've reproduced what I hate in myself. But if I can just learn to be content, no, I'm not restless. Hebrews 4.11, Lord, you said, my labor as a Christian is to enter into your rest, to go back to the Garden of Eden experience, to go back where everything was supplied for me, everything was, there was no work involved in it, no sweat, no press, no, no, just a simple covenant stand with God. When I need something, I'm telling you, I tell you, I know this, I know this. When I need something, some money or something, and I'm listening to a preacher like a Rick Renner or somebody like that, I'll send the money. And what they're teaching becomes my revelation because I'm partnered up with them, partnered up with them. And so when I have a need, I don't get another job. I look for a place to plant my seed because Genesis 8.22 says that as long as the earth remains, summer, winter, day and night, seed time and harvest time, I shall not cease. The kingdom of God works from seed to harvest through time. And not only that, he said, the wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. Well, how, how is it coming to me? It's going to come by sowing and reaping, the same way that it works for everybody else, right? Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever. So you'll reap. Anyway, I want to go to 1 John chapter 1. And these things I'm writing unto you so that you can feel miserable and unhappy. This letter was written to you so that what? So that your joy would be full. You're supposed to read this and get happy. (laughs) The message which we heard of him, we declare it unto you that God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. So if it's a bad thing that's happening, it didn't come from God. If we say we have fellowship, partnership, and intimacy with him, we, 
and walk in darkness, we lie because we don't know the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from what? How much sin? How much does it cleanse you from? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. See, but sometimes the truth can get out. I remember, uh, I think a few weeks ago, we were talking about the prodigal son and his elder brother. And the prodigal son went and blew everything that he had and, and came back and repented and, and got double. The elder brother was out in the field working all the time because he didn't know his identity. He didn't know him. He didn't see himself as the father's son. He saw himself as an employee. And he said, I've worked so hard for you all these years. See, he had the wrong value system. He didn't even have to be out there in the field. He could have been up at the, ho up at the house in a management position, but he didn't see it. He didn't understand the love of the father, so he worked for him. If you don't understand the love of the father, you will work for him. Religion will work for the father. Instead of living from God, you're working for God. If you live from God, it's Ephesians 2 and verse 6. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. So you've taken your seat next to the Father and the Son, a place of authority where, you, where when you make decrees, you're speaking. You're not praying to heaven. You're praying from heaven. You're declaring who you are in Christ. And, and come on, Romans eight seventeen said, when you receive the gift of righteousness, when you receive the gift of righteousness, something that you didn't earn or couldn't earn, when you receive the gift, a gift that's given to you, when you receive the gift of righteousness, you reign in life by one Christ Jesus. You're not being reigned on, you're reigning. You have a position of authority. You take your seat in Ephesians 2, 6, and you come on, when you're seated, that's a place of authority. God put you in a place of authority. Lots of times we're crying out to God, oh God, please do this, do that. God's saying, hey, I already gave it to you. I already gave you exceeding great and precious promises that you might partake of my divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. It's all yours now. It's all yours. What the devil stole, it's all yours now. You're rich. The universe. Come on, you're a joint heir with Jesus, and he owns the universe. There's planets out there you haven't seen. No, no, we think it's so small. That's why I loved what, what we read the other week there from Chronicles chapter 27, what David gave into the building of the house of God. Tons of gold. The man that was a shepherd boy that became a king. Mm. Anyway, hallelujah. So, so, so verse 9 says this. See, don't get your value from your performance. Don't get your value from how well you're serving God, from your church attendance. It don't get your, your value doesn't come from there. Your value comes from Genesis chapter 1, created in the image and in the likeness of God. That's your value system. I'm, all, I'm not trying to be more like God. I am complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. Well, what about change? You'll be changed from glory to glory, but you're not the change agent. It's very clear that it's the word of God and the Holy Spirit that make any changes that are necessary. So why are you struggling? Let me, let me ask you how it's working for you so far. No, you see people, I've known people that have been Christians for 20, 30 years, and they haven't grown an inch because they're still, 
feeling guilty for something that happened 30 years ago, whatever. Okay. But listen to this. Verse 9 says this. I'm standing here with open arms, the safest place for you at your worst moments. Your very worst moments, I'm standing here with open arms. When you sin, I didn't move. You did. I'm still here, open arms, just the way that I was before you messed up. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Come to me and you come on Hebrews 4.16. When you, when you need mercy and grace, you come boldly onto the throne room of grace. It's not the time to run away from God when you messed up. It's the time to say, hey, I blew it again. You say, really? I'm shocked. He's there for you. I'm telling you right now. He's there for you. The safest place in, in, in your worst moments, I'm your safe place. In your worst moments, I'm your safe place. How about 1 John chapter 4, verse 16? Chapter 4 is so wonderful. But I need to read verse 7 because this needs to be explained to people. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth God is born of God and knows God. You can be born again and, and not know God. And so th this is why he wrote Romans 12 too, not to be conformed to this world, but transformed metamorphosis by the renewing of your mind by the word of God, so that you can do like he said in Joshua 1 and verse 8, learn how to meditate, mutter, utter, and speak his word day and night, that you can make your way prosperous. So he says, he that loveth not doesn't know God. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. You can be born again and not know, Right. So uh, verse 9 says, here is the man. It was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might receive life through him. Verse 16. And we have known and believed. We have known and believed. So there's some action required in this. The love of God for us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwells in God and God in him. So, so what does that mean? When I'm in love, I'm dwelling in God. This is what I have found. Like if, if I'm, I'm driving along and thinking about things and I have a bad thought about somebody, I realize that I've just moved out of the love of God. So I move right back and say, no, 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 I'm not accepting those thoughts. I understand Matthew chapter 6 that I take no thought saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Or, I don't take a thought by speaking it out speaking out something negative against somebody um, because I'm forbearing and forgiving one another. Now, this is a paradigm shift, and it's ongoing. No, no, but this is, this is something that you do every day. You know, you, even your faith is in a state of flux. So there's things that you, you might blow it, but if you blow it, I want you to go back to 1 John 1, 9. I want you to go back there and say, hey, you're my safe place in this moment. In the moment when I just really blew it, you're my safe place, God. You're, you're the answer to my. You're the answer to my, my, my conscience. He said, "God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God. Herein is the love of God made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment." Now, this is not judgment day. This is not that day. It's it, it's days when things aren't going right. 
because as he is, so are we in this world. So when love replaces fear, problems become promises. When love replaces fear, problems become promises. He that, because look at this verse 18, he that, again, he that feareth is not made mature in love. So if I get any anxiety, again, I can go back to Philippians 4 again. In verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, you make your request be made known unto God. And then you let the peace of God, you, nobody else can do this, but you, you let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful, be thankful. I'm amazed I read through my Old Testament as we were reading through it. And in Exodus chapter 15, after God wiped out Pharaoh, they all had a praise fit. But you know what? They never did it again after that. They didn't do it when he turned the bitter water sweet. He didn't do it when they brought a man in the wilderness. They got on unthankfulness will shut off the flow of God in your life like nothing else. Nothing else. In everything, in everything, not for everything, but in everything, you don't want to thank him for the bad stuff, but in everything, give thanks unto God. It's your, it's, it's what, it's your requirement. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. I'll say of the Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress. I want to talk about you and I want to brag about you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. There is no fear in love because mature love casts out fear. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hates his brother. See, I can't be doing that. So I, I can't even be speaking ugly about politicians that really need the Lord right now. Because it's not my job. It's, this is, again, this is new revelation to me in many ways. It's not my job to criticize our, my leadership. It's my job to pray and replace my leadership if necessary. But I'm to bring heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Ottawa as it is in heaven. What's my part to play in that? My part to play in that is to be honorable, to be respectful. Amen. <laughs> Well, verse 21 kind of sh shuts the whole deal down here. This is the commandment we have from him, that he that loveth God loves his brother also. Well, who is my brother? Well, the, the, the rich young ruler asked that question. <laughs> the Lord said, go away and give everything away you have. He didn't require, I, I, he didn't require Zacchaeus to give away everything and go and, and, and follow him. But yet he required it from that rich young ruler because the rich young ruler was full of himself. What must I do? <laughs> oh, yes, I've come out, kept all of those from my youth up. Oh, whoop-de-doo, aren't you something? Right? Religion. Religion is ugly. Rebellion is ugly and religion is ugly. The truth is, I've been refathered. You've been refathered. I want to show you one more thing and then we'll be done. Just over in Matthew chapter 25. I think we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, but um, Matthew 25. The 
kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God, people. It's not about a big ending. It's about a great new start. So in Matthew 25, he's talking about um, Jesus does cool stuff. Like, remember the time he hired, he hired some guys to go work in the vineyard? And he hired them first thing in the morning. Then he hired some more people at 9 o'clock. And then he hired some more people at noon. Then he hired some people at 3. Then he hired some people at 6 o'clock in the evening. And when the end of the day came, he paid the people from 6 o'clock in the evening first. And paid them exactly what he was going to pay the guys that worked all day. Why do you think he did that? To expose something in the... Are you going to celebrate when somebody else is getting blessed? Or are you going to feel like you got cheated in life? See, it was all about that. And so and it's a similar story here. He said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man that went to a far country, and he called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents of gold, and another, uh, another one he gave two. And, and uh, he gave away five, two, and one. That's right, three guys. And then he, and then he went away. They, the one that received five talents went and traded the same and made another five. So now he's got ten. And likewise, the one that had two went and made two more. But he that had received one went and dug a hole in the earth and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord came and reckoned with or to deal with these guys. And the first guy came and said, Lord, I delivered you delivered me five, and now I've gotten five more for you. The Lord said, well done, you good and faithful servant. And uh, be you were faithful over a few things. Just listen to this, though. You're faithful over a few things. I'm going to trust you with much. Hallelujah. There's a millennium coming. And I'm telling you, some people are going to be in shock to see who's in charge. <laughs> he that received two said, Lord, you delivered me two, and I doubled it. His Lord said, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm trusting you with many. Then the guy that received one said, Lord, look at this. See, but again, you're talking about somebody that doesn't know their father. You're talking about somebody that has a distorted uh, identity. And look what he says about his father. He said, you reaped what you didn't sow, gathered where you... How did he know all this? What he was really saying was, what he was really saying was, I'm afraid of you. Just like the prodigal son's elder brother out working in the field trying to please his father instead of receiving what the father had. See, any time that you devalue yourself, you'll find yourself working to try and make yourself feel better or making to, working to make yourself look better. And you miss the whole thing. With God, With God, his, his, his deal is, he said, he that does not gather with me scatters. And the church has been scattering for years. That's why we have so many denominations and so many little churches all over the place is because we wouldn't love and wouldn't forgive one another because... We had a, a, an improper image. We had an orphan mentality toward ourselves. So I'm, I'm trying to be better than you. I, like, there's no, I don't need to, when I know, my, when I start in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, when I start in that place of rest, knowing that I'm created in his image and in his likeness, I don't have to compete with anybody. I don't have to impress anybody. Why? Because of, because of Colossians 2, 9 and 10. I am complete. I'm complete in him who's the head of all principality and power are the things that yeah like i know that ephesians 4 1 will say walk worthy of the lord 
Well, I can walk worthy of the Lord when I know chapter 1, 2, and 3 because, uh, because it's not a religious activity. It's just a, a flow of the love of God, the love of God just flowing through you. See, we're supposed to be in the flow. We're supposed to be entered. We, we're supposed to be at rest, not trying to be anything, not trying to get anything, not struggling for a healing. Or, I gotta, no, no, just all of those things when you, when you trust him, Everything will flow, and and if you don't trust him, it probably it probably hinders what he's trying to do in your life. Whereas if you just cast all, come on, we we know the prayers, uh, Peter chapter five, cast humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He'll exalt you in due time by casting all of your care upon Him because He cares for you. Casting it's the word hooperballo. It means to throw over the top rope in WrestleMania. Casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And then he said, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. Well, he can't devour you if you're cool. He can't devour you if, if you're walking in faith. You resist him steadfast in the faith, it says, knowing that these same afflictions are happening with Galen. These same afflictions are happening with Sharon Hirschman. These same afflictions are being worked out in your brethren in the world so that the trial of your faith will come forth with patience. And then it says, and then it, I love what it says, but he says this, but the God of all grace, who has called you by his eternal glory, called you eternal glory, the, the, the glory is coming forth in your life. He said, after you have suffered a while, the death of the flesh, after you've suffered a while, how long is it going to take? Until you drop dead, spirit, physically rather, not spiritually. But, you know, until you, until you can say with Paul the Apostle, I have been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. I'm free now. Christ lives in me. Big, uh, little I moved up and big Christ moved in. He said, after you've suffered a while, I'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's, that's, that's the goal. And we're not struggling to get there. We're allowing the flow of the Holy Ghost to operate in our lives. Amen. Praise God. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.